I see the future of ERP is clearly the cloud to continuously support companies with latest capabilities and innovations to react agile on ever fasting changes, market challenges to stay resilient, complying, secure, and competitive. Welcome to the Future of ERP podcast and Happy New Year to everybody. My name is Richard Howells. I'm a Vice President for Thought Leadership for SAP's ERP Finance and Supply Chain Solutions. And today we're going to kick off the new year by discussing 2024 ERP predictions. And to do so, I've invited SAP's Benno Eberler to talk about the topic. Welcome to the Future of ERP podcast, Benno. Could you say a little bit about yourself so that the audience can get to know you? Sure. Thanks for having me, Richard, and my pleasure to be here. My name is Benny Ibala, and I have the pleasure to drive global product marketing for our cloud ERP for mid and large enterprise. So I couldn't think of a better person to talk about uh, ERP predictions than you, Benno. So let's start with an easy one. What is your definition of ERP so that everyone can get an, a level playing ground here? I see ERP as the operating system of every successful enterprise. And if you zoom out a little bit, I think that all ERPs together are the nerve system of our global economy. I would rather say that every product we hold in our hands, every service we use has previously been touched with uh, one or more EP systems. Yeah, it's, it's always amazes me. That's how I try and explain things to people as well. It's just look around the room we're sitting in and how did it appear? How did it get manufactured? How did it get paid for? How did it get sourced? And all of that leads back to the business system, the ERP system. As we look ahead to the new year, what are some of the trends and challenges that you're seeing both today and that you foresee for the next 12 months? There are a couple. Yeah, let's start with the most prominent one, probably the artificial intelligence and especially generative AI. This will change the business world for sure. Another one is using no-code, low-code development to build functions that solve customer-specific and marketing differentiating needs or to build integrations with very specialized systems. And by the way, generative AI is supporting as well to create new code for new capabilities easier and faster. And another one, of course, is cloud ERP, and there are a couple of benefits coming with it. ERP is still the focus for business software, but in a modernized approach called uh, Next Generative ERP, serving the needs of all challenging global environment. And we all remember the challenges that Corona brought with it, the disruption of supply chains, empty warehouses, stalled productions, and so on. Customers need to be agile and to respond to new challenges and therefore need a modern agile ERP system. And one of the things you mentioned was cloud ERP. So how have you seen the adoption of cloud ERP? And what are the benefits that these companies are seeing and companies that haven't adopted cloud ERP yet could see in the future? Yeah, good one as well. So first, the adoption of cloud ERP is clearly accelerating. More and more customers see the benefits and the need to move to the cloud to stay competitive and to get the support they need in faster changing business world. But before going into more details, I would like to start briefly outlining what we mean by full cloud adoption with all its benefits. For example, if you move your on-premise system one-to-one -to, -one to cloud provider and let it run there, I would not call that cloud. It's just a hosting, right? right. And with the hosting, you only get a fraction of the benefits of a real cloud offering. So a full cloud migration means that your system is managed by experts at different levels so that your ERP is a safe and ready-to-run system. So what does it mean, right? With SAP, you get 
cloud ERP system that gets constantly optimized and monitored and you have a guaranteed availability of 99.7% of the application level. So not only on the infrastructure level, but across all levels together from infrastructure, operating system, database setup to the application level. In, in other words, highest guaranteed uptime across all levels. And you only have one responsible contract partner across all stack levels, which guarantees the reliability. And that's even not all. Cloud ERP includes securing your data with backup, business continuity planning, and so forth. And it includes compliance with certifications, audits, architectural design on highest levels, and includes system setup and upgrades, and more important today, security, including network setup database encryption and more to protect systems against cyber attacks. And our customers who already migrated to the cloud gave clear feedback. They appreciate that they don't need to hire more experts to solve the new challenges, but instead they can focus their current employees to more value-generating activities. So the digital transformation is not a lift and shift, but needs smart decisions and rethinking and streamlining of processes using the newest functionalities and innovations. We talk a lot to smaller companies now, to mid-market companies. It's not always the big, large enterprises that have an, a large IT department. What are the benefits from cloud ERP for these smaller companies who don't have that IT infrastructure? Yeah, exactly. So they can use the same benefits, right, as the bigger ones because they have the same services on the other side and they can really rely on benefits they could not really run in their own company typically because you need a bunch of different kinds of, of experts they might not be able to hire and to afford. And we have an army of different levels and different kinds of experts and uh, every customer can benefit from that. Right. Are there any specific industries that you're seeing either leading the way or benefiting the most? And are there industries where the ERP advancements or innovations would benefit better than others in the near future? Yeah, I would say the new improvements through AI primarily help to support and reduce manual, often boring routine of employees so they can focus on more value-adding activities and customer satisfaction. And I think looking from that perspective, that means that both industries, but as well LOBs with a lot of manual work will benefit more than others, right? And from an industry perspective, to just name a few, I would say logistics, healthcare, financial services and insurance companies will benefit most probably, but there will be others. But as well from an LOB perspective, which is in most companies, I think finance departments or logistics transportation management, to name a few, will benefit greatly. You mentioned a little bit about AI and, and automating processes and areas like warehouses and transportation and also manufacturing where a lot of these processes are getting automated. They are areas where you can reduce the reliance on people because we're talking about labor shortages in many of these job functions as well. That's right. Absolutely. It's really about leveraging those resources better and in a way which customers really can benefit from and even yourself can benefit from enhancing the processes, right? Because everybody has enough on his plate typically and getting yeah. away from the routine and focusing on the smart processes makes sense. It's interesting. We talk about the different industrial revolutions. And for the last few years, we've been talking about Industry 4.0. And every time a new technology comes along, every time a new revolution comes along, people say, oh, that'll mean we'll lose jobs. Every case so far, that hasn't been the case. 
because you don't lose jobs. You change jobs in many cases. People can do more value-added jobs. They don't have to do the repetitive tasks because you can automate that. And I think that's something that we need to bear in mind yeah. as we talk about things like AI and Gen AI, which I want to talk about next, by the way. Yeah. And I think uh, very often industries or enterprises are limited to grow because they don't get the right uh, experts, right? Talents are rare. And um, yep. a lot of companies are fighting with each other to get the right talents. And yeah, I think AI and generative AI are really helping there to get better without getting so, rid of jobs. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the examples where we think AI or Gen AI can influence ERP systems. How do you see processes changing within ERP systems and business systems in general in the next few years? I think we have been using AI already for a variety of scenarios for some time now, right? So we have some expertise here already. And be it for example, reconciling invoices is bank account, right? Detecting fraud by finding anomalies and uh, or generating a new level of automation chance, right? And But also for predictions. So it's not only to create analysis based on current data, but it's also to pro project these into the future in order to make better decisions for the benefit of the company. So this is already in place. Um, and there are already more cases in the making which will be continued. At. But if you think about generative AI, I think that's really opening a completely new world here. And I assume everybody has already tried, for example, ChatGPT, which is one of those engines, which is available free on the internet. I find it fascinating, to be honest. It answers questions in a completely different way to what we are used from normal internet search engines in the past, right? And the answer is a summary. It's really an article, more or less, right? <laughs> like a real research. It's, it's amazing. And, and you get it right away, right? And you can ask ChatGPT, for example, to get it shortened to a few characters, or you can have that translated into another language on the fly, right? And this will give you a first impression of what generative AI can do for you. But you also can test the limits. So ask, for example, the ChatGPT about the weather of tomorrow or today, yeah. right? And you will find out that, no, it's not up to date. It's not from today. It's not connected to the internet as a resource. And it's not connected to your business data either, of course. It doesn't know everything about your company. And this is where business AI comes into the play, where customers' intensive communication is required, business AI will help you. As an example, receivables management, uh, where cloud ERP suggests a solution based on AI for specific customer situation based on your business data and prepares the communication with the customer. Think about that, right? Be it an email in the customer's language or be it a script to talk to the customer on the phone, right? And currently, People have to really make a research on the data before they call the customer, before they put together an email. But if you're having a look at a little bit broader case, I think we have developed Jewel. It's a digital assistant based on AI that responds to your voice in the form of a question and answers it. And Jewel is fully connected to your data, your enterprise data, and your processes. And it helps you in combination with generative AI. So with generative AI, you get a a real assistant, right? Like a human being, nearly by your side that takes your personal productivity to the next level and frees you from the boring daily routine so you can really focus on truly value-adding activities instead. And you will be asking questions you don't even think about today. ERP systems have huge amounts of data. We've got more data now than we've ever had before. 
But the challenge is, it's not that we don't have the information. It's how do I get to that information? And if I can ask a question in my language, and you could be working with a multinational company where there's 20 different languages, like SAP, for example, you could be asking the question in German. I could be asking the question in English. Somebody else could be asking in Spanish, et cetera. And the system can use your own natural language and respond to you in your own natural language. And as you say, you can find things and identify patterns that the human brain just can't compute. And I think that's where some of the opportunities will arise as well. Yeah. And I think this kind of dialogue you have in the system, it's something completely new, right? It's not happening today. Today you have to go to different parts of the application and uh, aggregate data. This is all done for you. So it's a completely new level of working. Yeah. Two of the topics that you've talked about so far, the cloud and AI, bring into question the integrity of the data and the security of the system. When we started in our personal lives leveraging cloud, we were always concerned about sharing private information and ensuring that isn't shared with everybody else. And we have our data breaches in everyday life as well, that where newspapers are giving away information by accident and so on. So what steps do you predict ERP users will take to enhance the security and privacy features within the systems? Yeah, this is a good question, a tough question, because... Security compliance are both tough nuts to Greg, right? It's especially with existing resources. So your team you have already, right? They are not prepared uh, for this kind of question. Then they need probably new talents as well to solve it. So these topics really require real experts to achieve a high level of security. And staffing is, as we said before, really a challenge today. And our managed services of cloud ERP include security compliance and automated controls, fraud detection, and so on. Trust is part of its services, right? And uh, if you need even more, we have specialized products in our portfolio that help you to increase further, all fully integrated. So I think this is a way to go. Really hard to make that in your own four walls. And I think the same is true when we talk about AI as well, of having the boundaries in place and the constraints in place to make sure that you're not getting any bias in the results of what's getting fed back and so on. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. We've talked about agility and resiliency of business systems, and the pandemic certainly brought that to the forefront from a supply chain and ERP perspective. But the other big topic that is more than looming on the horizon, it's here today, is the need for reduced emissions, less waste, and sustainability and environmental concerns in general. So what role do you think ERP systems will play and are playing in helping organizations achieve their green initiatives and sustainability goals. Yeah, I totally agree. The sustainability is a super hot topic for most companies, right? And especially companies that are traded on the stock exchange have C-level sustainability targets, typically. That's right. When I look at buying shares, for example, I look at a company's sustainability index as well as their financial performance. Yeah, absolutely. And if you look on that from the highest level, I think it sounds easy, right? You must just report on all the emissions your company produces. Um, that means the incoming emissions, the internal emissions, and finally, the outgoing emissions from your company and your products. And uh, then you need to reduce emissions, of course, at the next step on all levels to become more environmentally friendly. And this means that this runs through all your processes from procurement to delivery, manufacturing, transportation, all levels of the company. 
until the customer holds your products in their hands. And this is where an ERP system really that tracks all the costs at every stage of the process can really come into its own. So we add another ledger here, right? A green ledger. So it's not about cost. It's about carbon emission. So it's the environmental cost. Exactly. So instead of monetary costs, this tracks carbon emission, but in a similar way than costs are tracking, right? And this is going through all the processes. It needs, it supports only reporting, but also prevention and, and planning and so on in all deepness of the processes. Even incoming, of course, really. if you look about that, you have connected your German network, for example, right? Where you can track what is coming in, then there's as well yeah. coming in the footprint of the goods which you're buying. It's interesting. I have a sister podcast called The Future of Supply Chain. And we talk about the scope one, scope two, and scope three emissions all of the time. And scope one and scope two are really tracking stuff within your control, within your business. But scope three is exactly what you just described. It's the emissions across the supply chain that you also have to track. And many companies have estimated that 80% of their emissions are outside of their organization, but they still have to be able to track it to show their complete sustainability picture or their emissions picture. So, And if you can't have actual visibility into what's going on, you can't do it by estimates anymore because that isn't good enough. You can't improve based on estimates. You've got to have the actual data coming into the system, which many ERP systems will have an SAP ERP, cloud ERP solutions have that, to be able to report actuals so that you can then monitor the improvements based on actuals. First measure, then create uh, benefit, right? That's right. You can't manage what you can't measure, I think, is a famous saying. Yes, yeah, agree. Are there any other questions that I should have asked you? Any other topics that you think we should have covered that we haven't? I think that's fine. I think one question might be how to get there. So, Benno, how do you get there? <laughs> You've set yourself up for a question. Please feel free to give me your response as well. I think it's very important for our customers to learn how to get there because from their perspective, it's not an easy one, right? And so we bring together a lot of tools and uh, methodologies in our migration center, which really helps our customers to learn about what's needed to get there. And because I think, as I said before, it's not a lift and shift, right? Uh, you really have to look on your process and decide which, for example, customer-specific uh, modifications are still needed with a new functionality. Yeah, have your business processes evolved since then as well. Exactly. Or we can utilize new innovations to simplify your processes and so on. And to really make use of the benefits of, of a modern system, you really need to rethink your processes. And this is... Right where we have not only an army of people helping you, but as well a lot of tools to help you. And yeah, this is really worse to have a look. And then you really get the most out of the new system. And that is really worse to make that move. It's not a lift and shift. By the way, I do have one final question that I ask all of our guests. And we've been talking about this topic all the way through. So maybe you can just do a quick summary in a sentence or two. Yeah. So what is the future of ERP? I see the future of ERP is clearly the cloud to continuously support companies with latest capabilities and innovations to react agile on ever-fasting changes, market challenges to stay resilient, complying, secure, and competitive. That's a beautiful summary. Benno, thanks for a great conversation. It's been really interesting. I'm glad we could get you on the show. Perfect. Thanks for having me here. It was a pleasure. No problem. And a happy new year to you and happy new year to everyone listening. And thank you for listening. <laughs>
If you'd like to get more information about ERP in general, cloud ERP, AI, etc., you'll find related links in our show notes. But until next time, from Benno and I, thank you for discussing the future of ERP.